Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. We're going to continue on the subject that we have been on for the last three months. Hello, one, two, three months. I have actually counted the times that I have been speaking on the subject of prayer. And actually we began late in December teaching on prayer. It is almost the end of March and we have stayed on the subject because of the interest that you have shown and the encouragement you folks have given me to continue teaching on the subject. So we have literally been studying the subject of prayer now for three whole months. But what I really want to know is whether my teaching has helped to inspire you to pray and whether you have seen any improvement in your prayer life. You know, that's the bottom line. Amen. Can I ask with a show of hands... How many of you have been helped, inspired, and your prayer life has improved since we have started teaching on the subject of prayer? Wonderful. Well, that's very encouraging. The rest of you are con see, so praise the Lord. Now, the ultimate purpose of teaching is transformation and not just information. God doesn't just give us information for the sake of information. The whole aim of teaching is to transform us into the kind of people that God has destined us to be. That is why the Word of God, when applied in our lives, when the Word is being taught and revealed to us by the Spirit, and we put that word into practice, the transformation begins to take place from the inside coming out to the outside. And so that's the whole purpose of teaching. Now, there's no doubt in my mind because wherever I turn, even in South Africa, the Lord has called the nation to prayer. And on the 22nd of April, there will be about a million people gathered in one city to lift up our voice to God and pray together on behalf of the nation, asking God to heal our land. A lot of crime is taking place in South Africa. A lot of farmers are being murdered every day. Terrible things that most, most of these things, we don't even get to hear about them. So the Lord has called for a national day of prayer, and many people are going to gather together in the city of Bloemfontein to pray on that day. And even where I travel, there is an emphasis, a strong emphasis on prayer. And I have no doubt in my mind that God is calling His people back to the prayer closet. It is a calling from God. He desires 
for us to be awakened spiritually. Why? Because I believe he's about to release the greatest outpouring of his Holy Spirit the world has ever known. God is up to something. When he calls you to pray, he's about to do a new thing in your life. That's why the urgency and the call and the, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is at work calling us back to the prayer closet. Now, I do believe with all of my heart that we have not yet seen what God intends to do. That he's about to release one of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen, and that is for the purpose of gathering in the harvest before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, it is imperative that we listen with our hearts, not just with our ears, and promptly obey the Spirit and return to the prayer closet. Why? Because God wants you ready. He doesn't want you or me or any one of his children to miss what he's doing. He wants you to be right in the center and in the middle of the workings of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot be in that position of readiness unless we are a people of prayer. And not just once a while, but consistently and regularly praying and seeking the face of the Lord. God is awakening His church. And I believe the prophetic call of the Lord today is recorded in Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3. If you ask me a question and say, Pastor, what do you feel the Lord is saying to the church at this point in time? And I'm talking about the universal church. There is a call going out to His people from the Spirit of God. And so that call, I am convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that it is the call that is recorded in Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3. You can read the whole chapter. We don't have time to read the whole chapter. But here in the first few verses... The Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is calling us to arise and to shine. Whenever Scripture um, says arise, is talking about prayer. Arise, arise. Jesus said to the disciples, rise and pray that you do not fall into temptation. So the Spirit of the Lord is crying out to His church to arise from a spiritual lethargy and a spiritual slumber. People who don't pray are spiritually asleep. They're not aware of what is going on in the realm of the Spirit. God may be trying to reach out to them. God may be trying to give them warnings or direction or wisdom. But unless you are spiritually sensitive and unless you are spiritually alert, you will not be able to receive the messages or the signals the Spirit of God is sending to your spirit because you're asleep. 
And I know of no other exercise that awakens our spirit than the exercise of prayer. When we pray, we become alert. When we pray, we become sensitive to the Lord's leading. When we pray, we enter into a realm where we are able to see what others cannot see. That is why prayerful people always see things in the spirit that others cannot see because they do not pray. Prayer opens your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears to hear and to see what God is doing in your life, in your loved ones, and in your sphere of influence. But without prayer, we fall asleep. Amen? I know it from my own experience. That when I pray, I am more alert to the Spirit of God. Especially when I add fasting to my prayer. There are things that we cannot attain to unless we pray. I cannot emphasize this enough. Prayer is like breath to a living soul. Amen. Are you listening to me? Nothing awakens our spirit to the workings of God as much as real, heartfelt, and persevering prayer. And so, it's no good just keep teaching and going on about prayer if you are not a person who has decided to do something about your prayer life. You know, the Bible says that the more we know, the more responsible we are. Have you ever read that in the scriptures? Jesus said, the servant who knew the will of God and did not do it will receive more stripes than the servant who didn't know and because he didn't know, he didn't do But the more light we receive, the more responsible we become. Do you know that? Yes, Lord, we want to be taught. We want to know. That's wonderful. But the more you know, the more God will require of you and of me because we know more. Amen. So praise the Lord. Can you hear the noise behind me? No. No. Okay. I'm glad. All right. In this part of the series of prayer, remember the the last time I was with you, I taught you about the different kinds of prayer. That not all prayer is the same. And not every prayer has the same rules that apply to it. You remember that? I say that because the New Testament teaches that there are different kinds of prayer. So what we're going to do, we're going to read our foundational scripture and then we're going to go into the lesson of today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, reading from the New King James Version, says the following, 
If you're taking notes, take down Ephesians 6 verse 18 and 19. Paul is teaching about prayer. This is what he says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Another translation reads it this way, praying always with all kinds of prayer. That tells me that there is more than one kind of prayer. And we have explained last time I was with you in our last previous lesson that different rules apply to different kinds of prayer. For instance, the prayer of committal or dedication and consecration to the Lord, we have an ephinet because you're not sure of the will of God. As Jesus prayed before he went to the cross, Father, if it be your will, or if, it, if there is another way for us to save mankind, show it to me, so that I don't have to go to the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So in that prayer of committal or dedication of you dedicating and consecrating yourself to the Lord, you might not be sure of the will of God, so there, there is doubt in it. There is if. Lord, if this is your will for me, I will go the route you're directing me. But when it comes to the prayer of faith, we know what the Word of God says. There are no ifs in the prayer of faith. It's yes and amen to the promises of God. We may go into it maybe at a later stage. But what I want to focus on today is the different kinds of prayer that the New Testament teaches and go through them with you so that you are uh, informed about these different kinds of prayer. Now, the New Testament teaches that, as far as I can see, eight different kinds of prayer. Eight different kinds of prayer. It's all prayer, but it's a different kind of prayer. The first one I want to share with you is prayer in the Spirit. That is what we call praying in an unknown tongue, or praying with your heavenly language. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Father gives you a prayer language. It is a language of the Spirit, led and guided and prompted by the Holy Spirit, praying the deep secrets of God. Now, when you pray in the Spirit, the Bible says that your mind is unfruitful. In other words, you do not understand what you are praying because your mind does not understand this prayer language unless you receive the gift of interpretation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14, we see this type of prayer as Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 
Make a note of that. Look at it in your own time in your Bible when you're studying the subject. Paul said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So this is one of the kinds of prayer. When we do not know what to pray for as we ought, then we turn to the Holy Spirit within and He gives us the utterance to pray. Amen? Are you with me? That's praying in the Spirit because Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Not my mind, not my understanding, not my intellect, but my spirit. Your spirit is directly communicating with God in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. The second kind of prayer that the New Testament teaches is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. The prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Matthew 11.25, and there are many other references, both in the Old Testament and in the New, where the Word of God exhorts us to praise God and to give thanks to Him. In fact, Psalm 100, I think it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving gives us an audience with God. That's why we should always start our prayer with giving thanks to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus prayed this prayer many times. And in Matthew 11.25, we read, At that time Jesus answered and said, when he received the report from the disciples who came from a mission trip and they have done all these wonderful things in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So the second type of prayer is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. The third kind of prayer is recorded in Mark Gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. It is called the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Mark eleven twenty-four. Jesus is teaching on this special type of prayer. He says, therefore, I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This is the prayer of faith. You know the will of God. You know what the word of God says. You go to the Father in the name of Jesus. You ask and you receive when you pray. You receive by faith. That's why it's called the prayer of faith. There are no ifs in the prayer of faith. Once you've prayed the prayer of faith, you close with an amen. It is done. Thank you, Father. I give you praise and thanks for I believe I received when I prayed. Now, in this prayer, you believe you receive when you pray, not when you see the result. Not when you feel something. Are you with me? That's what we call the prayer of faith. 
The Bible says in James chapter 5, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, who will come anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus, and pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise him up from the bed of sickness, and if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. There again, we pray the prayer of faith for the sick, because it is the will of God for the sick to be healed. Amen? Are you there? Yes, yes. Thank you. Another kind of prayer, the fourth kind of prayer, is the prayer of committal or the prayer of consecration and dedication to the Lord. Now, this we've already talked about this prayer. Jesus prayed this prayer before he went to the cross. In fact, he prayed the same prayer three times. Now, the prayer of faith, you only pray once. This prayer, though, you can pray it as many times until you are assured of the will of God. Jesus prayed and he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, what many people do because of ignorance, they use this type of prayer to pray for healing. Healing for themselves or even for someone else. They say, Lord, if it is your will to heal me, please do. But the Lord has already revealed his will in his word. Because his word is his will. And his will is his word. The word of God teaches that himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And with his stripes we were healed. God already has revealed His will concerning sickness and disease. You can't pray, if it is your will to heal me. God wills it, but we need to believe. Are you there? So that's the prayer of committal, where you, you're not sure of the will of God. Lord, is it your will for me to walk into this employment? Or do you have something better for me? I'm not sure, Lord. So I'm asking for your will to be made known to me and for you to reveal it to me because Scripture is not very clear. In fact, Scripture will not tell you which employment to take and which to refuse, which door to walk through and which door not to walk through. Amen? So you need to be praying this kind of prayer so that the Lord would make his will clear to you and confirm it to you before you take the step and you proceed. Whether it's employment, whether it's a young lady you might be interested or a young man you might be interested, you're not sure, you are praying this kind of prayer, committing yourself to the will of God. Amen? Are we on number four or number five now? Five. Number five. Matthew 18 and verse 19 teaches concerning the prayer of agreement. Now the prayer of agreement is another kind of prayer. Matthew 18 and verse 19. You can turn there 
if you will, with me, please. And let's read this together. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Jesus is teaching on the prayer of agreement. And this is what he says. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is when two people come together in agreement concerning a request they have from the Lord. It's not, this is not going to work if one agrees and the other one hopes. Amen. Both need to agree. Both need to harmonize. Both need to be in agreement concerning the petition or the request they're making. Once you agree, Jesus said, that request will be granted by the Heavenly Father. That's what we call the prayer of agreement. You may reach out to a brother in the Lord or to your spouse and say, Let's agree on this. We're going to pray for our daughter or for our son. We, the prayer of agreement is very powerful. Whenever I got my wife to agree with me concerning anything, it was done. But sometimes I had to work on the agreement. Like you may have to work on the agreement. I'll give you an example. We have three children. The only one who still has her tonsils is Helen. Do you know why? Because that's the, that's the only time I got my wife to agree with me that she would be healed without removing them. So she still has them today. Hey Michael, you bear witness to that, don't you? <laughs> so you know husbands and wives should work on this should practice this Stephen hasn't got his tonsils Athena hasn't got her tonsils they were taken out you know when we lived in Zimbabwe years ago we, it was very difficult to get your children into good schools. The education system uh, really deteriorated to such an extent. So we couldn't leave our children in the government schools. We had to look for private schools. And they were expensive, but not only the money, the expense of it, you couldn't get a place Unless sometimes you booked your child five years in advance. There were certain schools they wouldn't even consider taking the name. And I recall that my wife and I, that's when we practiced most the prayer of agreement. I would write down on a piece of paper and say, Dear Heavenly Father, my wife and I come to an agreement concerning a place for and we put the name of the child, and we put the name of the school, and we thank you for it, and we base this prayer according to Matthew 18 and verse 19. Amen. 
I had her sign at the bottom of it, and I signed it, and I still, sometimes I find copies of those prayer of agreement that my wife and I prayed. And God answered every single time. Because God's word is truth. God cannot, God cannot, hey, thank you for that, amen, Nikki. God is faithful. He will not deny his word. He will do what he said he would do if we could just believe him and act on his word. And I want to encourage you, especially husbands and wives, practice this prayer. Come to an agreement with your spouse. Believe God. And when you believe, you, you, you could even make a note of it and, and make a, have, a, have a journal. Record your prayers. So when they get answered, put answered and put the date next to it. It's very encouraging for your prayer life. Amen. I recall again when we moved to Cape Town. We had about, I would say maybe 10 people in our church. It was a new church. And we moved to Cape Town in 1992. And the city of Cape Town is very wide, very, very big city. And so one of our members lived on the east side, another one on the west, one on the north, one on the south. So they were scattered all over the place. So it wasn't like a, a community church where every one of them lived in the same locality. So when we wanted to buy a home or a house, we, we just were not sure where to buy the house because our members were scattered all over the place. So what I've done in agreement with my wife, I sat down with a piece of paper and I said, Chris, what do we want in a house? And then she would tell me, I want an open plan kitchen. So I would write down open plan kitchen. How many bedrooms do we want? Well, we've got three children and us at least four bedrooms. Okay, four bedroom house with an open plan kitchen. I said, well, I want to study. I need a room to study and to pray. I write that down. We need a study. And then we thought, well, we have no building. We need a big house so that we can house the people and have church services in our house. So we need a, a big lounge, just like Johan has over there. So we wrote, large lounge and we wrote everything we wanted on a piece of paper and we started hunting for a house we searched every area north south east west and we came to an area finally called Plattercluth. the house was not finished it was half finished half built the moment we walked through the back door we looked at our list we looked at the house and it had everything we have agreed for that house. Within a few days, we signed the contract, we purchased the house. And everything that we've agreed on and wrote on that piece of paper was in the house. You know, some people say, well, I've had a young lady the other day and said to me, would you please pray for me? I'm looking for a husband. I've been waiting for this man for a long time. I said, what kind of husband do you want? You want him tall? You want him short? You want him 
fat, you want him thin, you, you want him black, you white. What kind of husband? There are many, many, many young men out there. Well, she was startled. She said, you mean to tell me I have to be specific? I said, of course you do. It's like you saying, I want a car. Well, there are many cars on the road. There are many manufacturers. There are many colors. What kind of car you want? Hello? I hope I'm teaching you something. Because so many people are so abstract when it comes to praying and asking God. Or coming into a prayer of agreement. If we're going to agree, if you tell me today, Pastor, I want you to agree with me, then I'm going to ask you, what am I going to agree on? If you're going to tell me something that is not scriptural, I'm not going to agree with you. You've got to be specific. That's why many, uh, many prayers are not answered because people are not specific. Hello? Are you learning something today? So the prayer of agreement, I don't know why I'm prompted by the Spirit of God to camp on this for a while and teach you. The prayer of agreement is very powerful. So practice it. The best person to practice it is your spouse. If you haven't got a spouse, then find someone to agree with you and receive your petition. Amen. Now, number six. Are we on number six now? Another type, another kind of prayer is what the New Testament calls united prayer. United prayer is a prayer where everyone prays the same thing at the same time. Now, of course, either you write the prayer on a board or on a paper so that everybody can be in one accord and pray the same thing. This prayer, one of these prayers is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. Acts chapter 4 verse 24. The scripture says, when they had heard that, what did they hear? The apostles returned from the Sanhedrin and who were mistreated. They were forbidden to preach in the name of Jesus. So they came back to their church, to their own people, announced what the elders or, or the, the, the Sanhedrin had commanded them to do. And when they heard that, look what it says. They all raised their voice to God in one accord and said, every one of them. It's not, not just one person praying and the others keeping quiet and agreeing. No, they all raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. That is a very powerful prayer. When you have a room full of people, they all lift their voice to God and they pray the same thing. That's called united prayer. I've been in some congregations when pastor says, now let's pray. Man, there is thunder in that place. 
Everybody lifts their voice and prays. Not like some of our congregations where we are too timid or too shy to open our mouths and pray out loud. These people, the Bible says, after they finished this type of prayer, the power of God came on the house where they were and shook the very foundations of the house. So that is united prayer. Number seven. Number seven is the prayer of intercession or petition. We've, we've taught on this type of prayer many times, where Paul prays for the church, for the various churches he's responsible for. And um, in fact, in John chapter 17 and verse 9, Jesus prays for his disciples. Now, the prayer of intercession is the prayer that you pray for other people. Not for yourself. Intercession means you're standing in the gap on behalf of someone else and you're interceding and petitioning God to do something for them. That's called the prayer of intercession. This is where we need to persevere. This is where we need to go to the Lord again and again and again, persevering in prayer, asking God to minister to the people that we're praying for. John 17 verse 9, Jesus prays and he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He's praying for his disciples. Notice what Jesus said. I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those whom you have given me. And there are certain people that God has given you, given them to you to pray for, given them to you to minister to, given them to you to disciple, to mentor. Everyone needs a mentor in his life. Hello? Amen. When I was young in the Lord, I needed someone to teach me, to lead me, to guide me. I still have a mentor today. Everyone needs a mentor. And there are certain people that God has placed in your life, whether you realize it or not, they are there. They are in your sphere of influence. You may bump into them two, three times a week or even every day. God is looking to you to pray for them. Some of them may not even know the Lord. They may live in darkness or they may live in rebellion or sin. Maybe they are in trouble. Maybe they're suffering. The marriage is suffering. Or they're suffering financially. God is looking to you to pray for them. Before you speak to them, you need to pray for them. That's why Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. You're not responsible for the world, but you are responsible for those whom God has given you. You may say, well, God hasn't given me anybody. No, that's not true. He's given you your wife. He's given you your children. He's given you, if you're a businessman, he's given you your employees. They are in your sphere of influence. You need to pray. You need to intercede and talk to God on their behalf. That's the prayer of intercession. Amen. Sure.
That's number seven, and we go to number eight. There is also the kind of prayer which we call the prayer of binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. That's found in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Do you know that you have authority to loose people, to set them free from demonic influence? Jesus gave you that authority. He said, I give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, let's go to Matthew 16 and verse 19. Jesus is teaching his disciples on this type of prayer. And he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Lord Jesus has given authority to the believer to bind and to loose. We're not to bind people. We are to bind the forces of evil that influence people. We have no authority over the will of people. And we are to loose them from their activity, from the, from the evil activity. Also, we can loose them in, in forgiving them, in releasing them and blessing them. So that's called the prayer of binding and loosing. You have authority to bind the evil one, to bind demons and devils in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you have the authority to loose people from his influence. That's why when we pray for people who don't know the Lord, the first thing we need to do is pray and bind the spirit of blindness, the spirit of darkness, the spirit of rebellion that, that blinds the people from seeing the truth and the light of the truth of the gospel. Amen? Great. Now all of these things belong to the believer. Prayer is a privilege. It is also a weapon that God has given us to use. It is a ministry. Prayer, we said the last time, it's a ministry. Amen? That we minister to the Lord through prayer. We minister to the sinner. We minister to the body of Christ. We minister to our families. Amen? Amen? Now all of these things are no good if you're not born again. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you haven't been born again by the Spirit of God, all of these things would seem foolishness to you. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.